Welcome to the Recovery Just For Today show. I'm your host, Lloyd B., and I co-host this show with my father, Lloyd Sr. And if you are a returning listener, I want to say thank you. And if you are a new listener, I want to say welcome. Recovery Just For Today show is a show that is dedicated to those who are in recovery, those who may be struggling with addiction, and we are a resource for those who may have family members who are struggling with addiction. This show in particular is a show that is part of our marathon for the holiday. We have been discussing the Celebrate Recovery model of recovery. And if you have listened to some of our shows, our previous shows, you will see that we have been talking about this method for about four or five episodes. This particular episode will have two featured testimonies of of people who have found recovery in the recovery just for today model. So if you would, I ask that you would join us after this moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And as I said before, this is a different format than what we normally have. But if you will, stay tuned. I I pray that you will be blessed by the testimonies that you will hear next. God bless you. Leading up to this week, uh, man, God was saying so many things to me, but I kept saying, God, I only got 25 minutes. <laughs> or there, therein of. <laughs> you know, when, when you get in this position, you know that, that time is, is it's, it's God's time, not my time. But I will try to, to do that <laughs> to the best of my ability. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by God. So don't think at all when you find yourself in places you never thought you'd be. The joy is in the journey. If you feel like me, God brought you there for people to hear not your story, but for you to bring him some glory. He brought me to this place, a place called grace, for me to seek his face. A place of recovery that I could make a brand new discovery on how I could be happy, joyous, and free. So I'm here tonight to shine a light going from darkness into this marvelous light. Sharing without fear a grace we all share, so give me your ear. I thank God for this opportunity to tell you how he set me free from affliction caused by my addiction that I fight right now with a mighty conviction. And when I came on the scene, there was this pastor named Arlene. (laughs) That started this process of getting me clean. And if you can't say amen, say oh me. (laughs) 
My story is very, very similar to many of y'all. And I want you to understand that, you know, coming from Boston, which I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts, that bondage is the same everywhere. And God is the same everywhere. But I had to leave Boston and come out here because my city, my people were enablers. And my faith said I had to go somewhere where God would be my only crutch and that whoever he sent me, that's who I had to trust that he was sending me. So I sold everything and I gave everything away and I came out here and God showed up. Faith without works is dead. The situation I came in, I'll tell you what it was like because God brought me through that. And because I am a writer, I wrote it to try to entertain you with it because I entertained myself with my foolishness that used to be. And I call it what it was like. Ducking and dodging and losing my way. Crack is my motive for living each day. Praying to God, but keep running astray. Don't care about life, I just got to get paid. People in my life, they don't care about me. They just want to drink as long as it's free. The women I know, they come and they go. I do the crack and they do the blow. The hell that I live, there's no time to give because take what you can is how we all live. I'm really not trying. I know that I'm dying, but I don't give a damn. Excuse me, God, and you know I'm not lying. Jail for me is a way of life. Don't care about no kids. I don't care about no wife. Crack is my master. He's my higher power. No time to eat. No time for no shower. So feeding myself, I'm trying to keep on a little weight. But between eating and crack, then food's got to wait. Now I'm sleeping outside because of my pride. From my family and friends, I know I must hide. For me, there's no use. I'm caught up in drug abuse. No time for no God because, oh, what's the use? I remember my mother saying that she will always be praying. But in my house, boy, you will never be staying. Sound familiar? (laughs) You made your bed. Now lay in it because you say you want help, but you're just talking it. So after 18 years of this crackle and alcohol addiction grind, it's so wonder I didn't lose my whole mind. I thank God for today, for his grace and his mercy to me. When I finally turned it over, he set me free. Give God a hand clap of praise. I qualify. I'm celebrating my recovery tonight because I put in work. I was hurt at a young age. I was molested by a 13-year-old male cousin at nine years old, and I held that for 30-something years. I was abused by a stepfather who beat me with stenching cords and 
and, and, and anything he could get his hands on. And I thought he was my real father at that time until I hit 16 and found out that I, he was not my real father. But that I had a father that found me on a basketball court and took me to my mother and told me he was my father. And he was a falling down drunk. Which he was the one who introduced me to alcohol. Because everybody he knew was in bars. So he took me to bars. And that's where I got introduced to alcohol. Powerless over, you know, that was my powerless over that first drink. I didn't know how it was going to be transferred to me, but it was from my father. And I became an alcoholic addict for the next 15 years. Dropped out of school, 25 points away from graduating. Became a street person. I have over 3,650 3, years of homelessness on my resume sleeping in hallways, sleeping in abandoned buildings, and living like a natural dog just trying to survive. Oh, I, I have a lot of hurts, habits, cocaine, alcohol, pills, you name it. I'd eat grass if you said it would get me high. And then the hang-ups. Ma, this is David, Ma. Uh, uh, I, need, I need $25, my, I'm going to click. Dad, dad, this is your son. I need, uh, click. Jerome, Jerome, this is your brother, man. Can I get a click? God, I need your help. God, will you answer the phone? Well, David, are you ready? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for when I was down and out and desperate. Guess what? We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down. But we get up for a saint is just a sinner who fell down. But we didn't stay there. We got up. My family. Every last one of those pictures you saw was my family. And the thing that I looked at when I looked at those pictures was smiles. Joy, every time I go home, that's what I get now. There was a time when the enemy told me that, like I said, that my family and my friends, and if you feel this way, understand that your family and friends is your backbone. They don't care. My mother said, David, I don't care what your condition is. Just let me know where you're at. But understand, you're not staying at my house. <laughs> Just let me know where you're at. Jail was a reality. And my mother most definitely was happy to hear when I was in jail because she knew where I was at. And then I realized that that was a prayer of mine because I was not Arrested, I was getting arrest. 
Oh, y'all don't hear me. Arrest. Arrest from myself. Y'all don't realize it that when I left Boston, property values went up 100%. And now that I'm on Facebook, guess what? <laughs> they so glad they know where I'm at on a regular. But I thank God that this forum, and once again, I have to give Pastor Eileen kudos because when I was homeless, I had these two bags, and I was first out here. She preached a message, and I think this message is for to do not worry, coming out of Matthew 6.33. Just seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness and everything else will be added. You know, I, I, I come into the Celebrate Recovery, and I've been there for almost three-something years, and it never gets old because it is a, a realm that we get in to express our love for one another. If, if we were in that other realm, guess what? Probably a lot of us wouldn't even be here tonight. But thank God we have a place to celebrate our recovery. You're not alone. Your personal worth. I listened to that message and God has given me everything I need for life and godliness through my knowledge of him who's called me by his own glory and goodness. He told me, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That if you submit yourself to God and resist the devil, he will flee. That no weapon forged against you will prosper because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if God is for us, who can be against us? You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. And when you bless, you ain't no mess, which leads to less stress. Amen. I didn't intend to preach. I did not intend that. But when the fire wells up, I thank God. I do want to shout out to the, to the brothers that have come with me from, from, from around the way because that made me more comfortable in case I said something that I had to run out of church behind it. You know, I, they, I told them they got my back. <laughs> but I just thank God for your smiles. I thank God for everything that God has blessed me with. I, I, I've been working ever since I've been in recovery. I've got a place that's across the street from my church where my meetings are. God wanted to make sure I wouldn't have any excuse not to be there. So I look at this as my last shot. I really do. And I do know that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. So as I close with this, I always have to do this one because God has me to remember. I can remember one dark and dreary night, stone out my mind, not much hope in sight. I was underweight and burdened down. It seemed there was no hope around. I can remember. There was days upon days of purple haze. My mind's in a maze. I'm in another daze. I can remember the days I drank and did crack cocaine, doing much damage to my brain. I feel like I might be going insane. I can remember 
walk in the streets, I feel people staring, try to reach out for help, but nobody's caring. I can remember. I smoked my last pack and spent my last dime. I'm running out of time. I got to commit another crime. I can remember. So, yes, there was a cell with that all-familiar smell. I'm not doing so well. It's the same old story. The devil gets the glory. I can remember. And, yes, there was a girl. She used to be my world. Sometimes she called me honey. Then that chick ran off with all my money. I can remember. And, oh, now I hear my mother crying because she knows her son is dying. Oh, what must I give in order that he might live? I can remember. Then I heard about a Savior who could change my behavior. He's the one who forgives, and I hear he still lives. I can remember. For me, his name is Jesus, and he came to please us. Now I'm crossing from darkness to light. I got another opportunity to get my life right. I can remember. So notice in closing, there is no supposing. Though words may cut like a knife, in the end, I will gain my eternal life. I will remember. Thanks for letting me share. This is my life, and I will live it the way that I'm going to live it. Nobody's going to change my mind. Hey, what's up, y'all? My name's... My name's Cipriano, but my, but my friends call me Sippy. Um, I wanted to share with you guys, I'm 12, I am 12 years old right now at this point in my life. Um, I am in the seventh grade, and I wanted to tell you that my mom and dad had just got a divorce, and I couldn't be hap- more happier than what I am today. Um, I have so much freedom and get away with practically everything now that he's gone. Staying up late, cussing, smoking, drinking. Besides, I didn't like him anyway. He always told me what I could and could not do, and he would punish me when I did wrong. I didn't need that in my life. I just didn't have any freedom. But oh now, oh now, I got a lot of freedom. Mom is always gone. And I think both of us find the word freedom pretty inspiring nowadays. I forgot to mention that since my father has been gone, I am left inherently the man of the house and will make my own decisions without anyone saying otherwise. Did I tell you that I really have a passion of hate in my heart towards my father? Well, I do, and this is the beginning of my selfish desires that are molding me. Selfishness, you got to love it. So since I think I'm in charge, I have the responsibility, of, the responsibility of setting examples to my little brother and to my little sis and to my little sister. And without any effort from me, they will want to be just like their big brother. And they are. Well, now a few years have passed and now I am in junior high and I'm going through a whole lot of changes physically and mentally. I have no structure in my life anymore since since my dad has been gone. Who needs structure anyway? Really, who needs it? Smoking has become a habit and cussing is second nature to me. And everything is going just the way I want it. Just the way I want it. Halfway through the seventh grade, my best friend's mom passed away. 
from an unexpected brain aneurysm. Through this hard time, I was by his side. Besides, he was my best friend. Well, to make a long story short, we decided to smoke a joint and thought that it would make everything better. And it did. Oh, it did. This was the beginning of my long history of marijuana use. Also at this age, I decided to um, get, tat get, get tattoos. I'm in seventh grade, and I'm getting tattoos. That's just what we do in seventh grade. Well, now it's the summer before ninth grade, and I just got, I just got, I just got handcuffed and put in the backseat of a cop car for the very first time. And yes, I'm headed to jail. I end up staying locked up for a few hours and get awarded my first criminal charge, accessory to shoplifting. Guess who's getting to do 48 hours of community service this summer? This guy. The like, new school year has just begun, and, and we, are the head of this, we are the head of the school this year in ninth grade. And no one can be cooler than what I am and what my crowd is. I continue to consume my daily cigarette and, and marijuana use, and cruising Main Street is on and on every, every, every weekend. Who wants to hang around these kids in junior high anyway when I have cool friends in high school who have cars, and they have friends that are out of school that are doing all the cool things, Partying, girls, tattoos, and drugs, all the things that I need in my life. I couldn't be more happier. Because I have been, I have been more concerned on what my, my, what, my, what my emblem is in life. So now it is the weekend to have the best party ever at my house. And, and my home has become the best place to have the parties. Besides, mom was going to be gone for, for like the whole week, weekend, and she was most of the weekends. So my, but, so like my, friend and, my friend and I decided to save up some money so we could buy our own ounce of weed, you know. And so we go to the person, and we, we like tell him what, what exactly we need. And he says, I don't have weed, but I have this. I have meth. I have crank instead. Do you want that? Well, over short thought, over... A short thought. We're like, yeah, of course, everybody's doing it. So without hesitation, we bought this and was beginning. This was the beginning to my long addiction of meth use. These parties have been great until the last one, it seems. It seems like someone called the cops because of, because of noise. Well, here I go to jail for the second time. This time I landed me with six months of supervised probation for, for, a, for a minor in possession of alcohol. I got lucky. They couldn't find the meth, or they didn't find the meth anyway. <clears throat> well, this really, this really, had, a nymph, this really had, had me thinking whenever I was in jail. And I began trying to change. And with little change, my friends kept pulling at me. And so I decided to go out with my friends instead. Besides, it's Friday. This Friday was like no other. I got to experience drug to um, deal them drugs for the first time, and by Sunday morning, I had made me $50. Well, the weekend goes by, and it's Monday morning, and I still have not been home, and I am not going to school. Remember, I'm in ninth grade. 
I have a new so-called job of selling drugs. Well, Thursday comes around, and uh, I'm pretty bright and clear-minded. I decide to go to school. Of course, I haven't been home. But I decide to go to school, and by second class, I get sent straight to the office, and the cops are waiting for me. You can only guess, here I go again to jail for the third time. And I don't get out until Monday morning, so I got to spend a good healthy four days, you know, to think about what I did. And I thought I was never getting out. Well, and, and I get out under, but only under one condition, that I move to Tucumcari with my father. You know that guy that I didn't like? Or I can stay in jail until my probation is up. Oh, did I mention that since I violated my probation that I get an automatic two years added to my, to my originally sentence? Because I did run away. I was a minor and I ran away. I violated my probation. So now I got two and a half years probation. I'm in ninth grade. So here I go with my dad, with that man that I cannot stand. But he seems to love me. He buys me things. He gives me money. He gives me my space. This guy really isn't that bad, as I thought him to be. So I get a new start here, and after a while, I start back on meth. But this time, I do it in a way that does not get me in trouble. I obey my father, the school system, the probation officer. This is where I think I got smarter than the system. I am also able to hold a part-time job as well the whole time I'm there. Well, two and, a half, two and a half years have gone by, and my dad and I have got a pretty sta stable relationship. Besides, he's bought me a car. Well, I just finished the 11th grade and decided to move back to Clovis without my father's blessing. Kind of kept it secret from him. I planned it for months. But I convinced him that I could do it and that I haven't gotten any trouble, and I completed my probation. So here I am in Clovis. I start doing the same old thing, smoking, drinking, and drugs, but a lot smarter this time, if that makes any sense. Well, I get through the 12th grade and find out I am needing a better life. And this time my dad moved to Wichita and wanted me to stay with him, telling me that there are a lot of opportunities there. So I accepted, and soon after I got a full-time job. Well, everything was going great, and then I got a call from a girl I was dating up here in Clovis, and she tells me she's pregnant. So here I go. I'm 19 years old and headed back to Clovis, the exact place that I was trying to avoid. And I have to go there because of a girl that's pregnant with my child. What about my life? It just got started. I have to think about me. I don't have time for any girl, much less a child. So my son Isaiah is born, and I try to do the right thing. But there, there's just so much in the world for me right now. So I leave. Besides, my cousin just got out of the penitentiary, and he is going to show me how to support my life the right way. My cousin takes me under his wing, and so far, this is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I have never seen so much marijuana, so much cocaine, so much meth crack in my life. I am officially a drug dealer, and I am being shown so much respect that I feel like I am on top of the world. Nice ride, rims, bass, girls, guns, money, and a man 
who can sell drugs. And this is my life. I will lead it for the next, and this is the life that I will lead for the next several years. Since I am of age, I bought myself a handgun, a 9mm. You know I have to protect myself. So I'm, on my, so I'm on my way to a friend's house. Little did I know that the girl I was in the car with was an informant. And the guy's house that we were going to, he, the cops were trying to find him. Well, soon after we stopped at the house, the detectives were right behind us. And in my waist, I had a gun and an ounce of weed in my front, po- po- in my front pocket. So I got searched, and what do you know, straight to jail. I get charged with unlawful carrying, unlawful carrying of, of a weapon in possession of, mer- of light weed. So I lawyer up, and guess what? I am smarter than the system. The charges get dismissed. This is just what I need for, like, my ego, that I could beat the system, huh? So I start to stay in touch with my son's mom, who would have thought that I would have two more kids with her, Xavier and Audiana. In this relationship with her, I have made very, I had been very abusive mentally and physically. Wasn't a nice guy. But she puts up with me and I will continue to act the way I want. Remember, this is my life. Soon she gets fed up with it and calls the cops and presses charges on me. This time the charges stick. I get charged with bat, bat, battery on a household member tampering with telecommunications and false imprisonment. But before the police find me, I seem to break the law a little bit more. I use someone's credit card that I don't even know and purchase over $1,000 worth of merchandise. So I have two warrants out for my arrest, one for domestic violence and one for my newly acquired charges, fraudulent use of a credit card, which carries a fifth-degree felony. So I get locked up. And this time I am there for about a month. Who wants to get me out anyway? My so-called friends only like me when I have what they want. And my mom and dad, they, I have let them down so much that they want me to learn a lesson. Well, I get three years adult su- 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 supervised pro-libation pro and awarded a felony to go along with it for those charges. Did I learn this time? Did I learn this time? Of course not. I continue to do my meth use harder than ever before. I only have to give a UA once a month, so I know I have a slim chance of getting caught. At this point, I have just become an addict and don't have anything to show for. I finish my probation and just continue to sell in order to support my habit. I end, up in jail, I end up in and out of jail a couple more times, but nothing serious, nothing serious except this. Aggravated assault against a household member and aggravated assault, a battery against a household member. Again, but it got dismissed. And, and like I will tell you why in a minute. So now with countless nights without sleep and many people I have hurt or scammed, I feel very lonely. And I am in a dark place in my life. I realize all the years that I have lost. I have tried so many times to change, but this world has so much to offer me. I think I will try praying, but, but why? Is he going to listen to me? I am worthless. 
Why should he listen to me? Everything that I've done. Does he even know what I have done? Does he know who I have hurt? Does he see the pain that I have caused? Why should he even look at me? During this time that I am truly ready to change, the unthinkable happens. I am told that the detectives are looking for me and that it is very serious. So I do what I know best to do. So I run from it and ignore the news. So I finally give it, give it all up and stop my meth. Besides, I have a new girl in my life. I have been seen and I am doing well, but I still am holding the big secret that I am on the run and it's eating away at me. Well, they, fought, they, they like do find me and the charges are unbearable. I am charged with many counts of distributing meth to a minor and since I was a felon from a previous charge, I was looking at 28 years in the penitentiary. I also had warrants of, for like aggravated, aggravated battery. So now I am here sitting in the Curry County Detention Center, adjusting to the fact that I will be incarcerated for the next three decades. So I start reading the Bible as a last resort, as the last thing that I decided to think that would help. And I go to church as much as I can here in jail. I remember hearing one of the missionaries say how God will never leave me or forsake me and that there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus. So that night I prayed and accepted Jesus into my heart in a 10 by 10 concrete cell. Cold, bunch of men. From this time on, I told God I will be his servant. If I had to be locked up or not, I accepted the fact that I would preach the word in the penitentiary. <laughs> Could just imagine how hard those three months were. You know, did I do the crime? Probably so. I sold so much drugs just to get, I even sold fake drugs just to get money, just to support my habit. But I gave myself to Christ that night in a small cell. And I didn't know if it was going to work, but I was at the lowest point of my life. I was never going to see my kids again. I was never going to see anybody that cared about me on the outside. And I deserved it. I deserved all of it. And I had to accept that. Well, after three months, I remember hearing, Cipriano Martinez, get your bags, roll it up. So I get out on bond, and I have a long road ahead of me with many sleepless nights. And when I mean sleepless nights, I wasn't doing drugs. Just so many sleepless nights from the pain and the thought that, hey, I'm just out for a little while. The woman I was seeing did whatever she could to get me out of jail. I came straight to the church on Wednesday. It was September of 06, Wednesday night, and told the pastor that I need a change and that I need Jesus in my life. Within that month, I was baptized right up here. 
baptized right there. Well, it's been nine months since I got out of jail, and two lawyers later, I get a phone call from the attorney, and all my charges had been dropped, and all the glory was given to God that day. That day I found out how faithful God was, truly was. And all the times that I had, a lot of times I had gotten in trouble and I beat the system. God, God, God had a plan for me to be right here today. He knew that I was going to be here this moment. He says he will change what was dark into light. And that's what happened when I accepted him into my life. Let me explain my life since, since the, decision that I, the decision I made to surrender to Christ. I told God that I was going to do the best I could possibly, that I possibly can and use my experiences in life to lead others like myself to Him. Has, he, has it been an easy walk? No, it hasn't. But it has been well worth every minute of it. And I wouldn't change anything about my past. Not one single thing because he knew what he was doing. Did he make me do bad? No, I decided to do bad. But he was going to make his perfect will out of what I'd done. And he was going to change someone if I was obedient. I have grown to know the Lord and lean toward his understanding. I have made many wrong choices in my life. And I had promised God so many things. And He has done so many good things in my life. He has changed me from the inside out. I have made many wrong choices in my past, but knowing that God has promised me that he would throw the sins to the bottom of the sea, he tells, uh, he tells us in his word, in 1 John 1.8, he says, If we proclaim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now that this has been given, now this has given me a new hope and should give each and every one of y'all a new hope. But only if you are willing. Only if you are willing. I had to be willing to change. By accepting Christ, is everything better? Is everything better? No. 2 Corinthians 4, 6-9 through 9 reads, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We are the jar of clay. The light is in here to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. 
persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. Is this walk going to be easy? No, it's not. It can't be. This is what builds growth. Sing praise through the rain, through the storm. When the storm comes down, go through the storm. Sing through the storm. Sing through the storm. I want to tell you a story about a man and a a man and a woman. They had been together for 40 years or whatever. They were married, old couple, and they walked into an antique store. They walked into an antique store and they were looking around and they seen up on the shelf this something that caught their eye. It was an elegant teacup. An elegant teacup. She picked it up and she she liked it. And as she looked at it, it started to talk to her. And don't get freaked out at talking teacup. But it started to talk to her and it said, it said, it said, I have not always looked like this, you know. And the woman said, Really? Well, let me tell you. One time, I looked like a clump of clay. And someone picked me up. And he started tugging at me and pulling at me. I said, what are you doing? Stop. You're hurting me. And the voice said, hold up a minute. I'm not done yet. So after he was pulling on me, a little bit later, I started spinning real fast. And I'm like, please stop. You're making me dizzy. I can't handle this. I'm going to die. And the man said, I'm not done yet. Well, after he did this to me, he had put me down, and I felt different. I felt changed a little bit. Well, a little bit later, he threw me into a furnace, and it was hot, and I started crying and pleading with him, please, don't do this. You're hurting me. It hurts. You're going to kill me. And the voice said, I'm not done yet. Well, he took me out, and I was so relieved. I thought I was going to die. And he put me down, and I felt stronger. I felt like a strength that I never had before. I wasn't soft. I was, uh, I was kind of tough. A little bit later, he comes, and he starts putting this paint on me, and I start choking and coughing. I'm like, please, stop. You're hurting me. Why are you doing this to me? And he says, son, hold up. I'm not done yet. Well, a little bit soon after he's done painting me, he put me in a furnace twice as hot as the first one. And this time I knew it was over. I was going to die. I just gave up. I couldn't do nothing. I cried and I cried. And, and like he wouldn't listen. And he said, I'm not done yet. Well, he took me out. And I, by a miracle, I was still alive. Who would have known I would still be alive? And he put me on a shelf. And, and the next day he comes to me. And he hands me this mirror. And he says, this is what you have become, my son. And this is what God does to each and every one of our lives. He molds us. We have to allow Him. He pulls on us. He changes us. But we have to allow Him to mold us to who we are to become. We have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to change. In Romans 8, 1 and 2, God gives us this promise. He says, Therefore there is no condemnation for for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And that's what He does. Accept Him into our lives and He sets us free from death. Easy as that. But what holds us back at times? 
Why? Because of these world desires that, that, that are here in this world? Yes, I know it's... I know they are... I know they are... Um, enticing, you know? But His Word is what keeps us strong. Reading His Word. You know, don't just leave it on the coffee table and let it get, get dust on it, which a lot of us have a, have a habit of doing. You know? We're like, you could write, wash me. Don't let that happen. Pick it up. Pick it up. Spend time with the Father. Five or ten minutes a day. Spend time with it. Is, is that a lot to ask for? Five or ten minutes of our busy day? Get on your face and pray to Him and praise Him that you're here, that you're alive. Maybe some of you haven't been through the stuff that I had been through. That doesn't matter. Still praise Him the same way. Sin is sin and we all do it. You might say that I have changed and I'm a nice person. Being nice doesn't get you into heaven. 1 John 14, 6 tells us, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know me. You would know my Father as well. From now on, you do, do know him and have seen him. It also says, and this is the famous one, John 3.16. Let me see. John 3.16 and 7. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What should we do as new, new and learning believers? What should we do? with? We put off our old self. Ephesians 4.22 tells us, You were taught with, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by itself, by its deceitful desires. Speak truthfully. Verse 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor for we are all members of one body there's a lot of stuff on how to live into this little old book well I, I ain't a good reader I don't read get the audio book pull it up on your phone you don't have no excuses I can't read I'm dyslexic whatever Put it on body, put it in your ear and listen to it. Put the word, come to, these, come to these classes and hear the word if you don't want to read. Be a part of the word. Change your life. If you really want change, you have, goes back to that word willing, something that we hear a lot in Celebrate Recovery. God has encouraged me through his word. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is my encouragement. He did this for me, so what shall I do for him? Do we think about that? Oh, it's just an old story. I've heard it hundreds of times. He, he carried a cross. He, he died for our sins. You do it. You do that for somebody. Take up, take up his cross and walk, walk the road he did. There's a cross right back there. Carry it down Main Street. I dare you to. You know, nowadays we think just the cross, it's just a symbol around our neck. But back then, do you know what it was a symbol of? When people saw the cross, there was somebody hanging on it. It, was the, it, it resembled death. But we have, we have thrown that word around so loose that we just say, hey, it's a cross. No, the cross meant, means so much more. So much more. And you won't know that until you really dig into this, dive into this. Am I perfect at it? No. Do I read every day? I try to. Have I got better at it? Yes. Do I love the Lord? Yes. And I mean it. More promises and strength that God has given me, and you guys have heard this verse many times, I know. Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promises to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. He promises me this. And he promises each and every one of you that. Oh, but I messed up. I was doing so good. I was on step six and I fell. Now I got to go all back to the back and I got to start over and I don't want to deal with that. Whoever told you that lied to you because you don't have to start over. God wouldn't tell you, get up and go back where over there where you started from and start over again. God wouldn't do that. He picks you up and he carries you from where you left off. Don't, let, don't, be, don't be pulled in by that lie that you have to start over. Have I slipped up? Many times. Have I went straight back? No. I continue on where God has put me on the path to go. I have this new hope and strength through our Lord Jesus Christ. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. God has been so faithful through me the past six years and has blessed me continually. He's continually blessed me. I've been clean for six, six in a couple months, six years in a couple months. I have a wonderful wife. Her name's Samantha. She's sitting right over here. She has been, she has been through my, she probably didn't realize what I was going through and emotionally at the time but she stuck by my side and now I got to put up with her instead of her put up with me I could say like that up here after this story I could say that but I love her so much and I I, I know God has put her in my life because she was brought up in a Christian home she can she could read scripture out of her mind 
you know? And God knew what he was doing when he put us together because she has really been an, an example to me how, how to um, be a godly person. I get to be a parent to my kids. My son's Isaiah, he's 13 years old. My son Xavier's 10 years old. My daughter Adiana's 8 years old. And of course, my little boy Gabriel, he's 3 years old. But I get to have those, my, my first three kids from my previous relationship. I get them every other week, not just weekends or holidays. I got shared custody, and that couldn't be, you know? God blessed me with that. From what I understand, there's very few dads that have that. But I get to be there for my kids because God knew that, I needed, that they needed structure in their life, and I know they need structure in their life. God has blessed me with a wonderful job. I'm able to, to spend time with my kids because I don't work that hard. You know, I'm able to do stuff around the house. I'm able to, instead of going to bed at 8, 30, 9 o'clock, I could stay up late with my wife. You know, all these things God knew I needed. I enrolled into college right now. I'm, I go to CCC and I'm going for counseling, a degree in counseling. Who would have known? God knew that I was the perfect candidate for this. I used to do construction work, and all of the times the guys, the inspectors that only read the books, that never really got in there, they only read the books. They didn't realize how hard it really is to do the work. And God knew that, hey, Sippy, you have been through that. You know about all that. You know about it. No financial stress by putting, by putting it in his hands. God gave me this job. This was God's job. I'm working for God. God pays me every month, every week for my check. He pays me. So why not be obedient and give him my 10%? And of course, the big thing that God has blessed me with the most is to be the program director here at Celebrate Recovery. Who would have known? You know? I used to sell ounces of methamphetamine, weed, you know, I used to sell ounces of stuff, not just a little bit. I used to be a drug dealer, used to be a meth addict, did cocaine. I did those things. I've even shot at people, you know, because I wanted to be hard and I, that's what the world wanted, that's what the world was about. But through Jesus Christ, he has showed me a new way, and a new life to live. And I am, oh, so more richer than I ever have before, and not by money, by love, family, friends, by the promise that he has told me that I will be right next to him one day. So I want to encourage each and every one of you all, don't give up. Find, find him. Father God, I thank you, Father, for this, for this very moment, Father, that you have blessed me with you have blessed us with, Father, for bringing us so far in our walk, in our recovery, Father. Everyone here tonight is here for a reason, Father, and I pray and I know, Father, through the light that you have blessed their hearts, Father. Father, your love is so great. The things that you do in our lives is so great. The things you do that we just pass by are so great. 
Father, I pray that anyone here, Father, if there's anything hindering their heart, Father, and they need prayer, Father, that, that they would surrender to you. That they will say, hey, I can't do it. That Jesus, you're the way. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus Christ's holy name, amen. In principle one, we realize that we are not God. We admit that we're powerless to control our tendency to do the wrong things and that our lives have become unmanageable. As soon as we take this step and admit that we are powerless, we start to change.